How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, hitting the old battleground, studying the Word of God, exposing the heresies and errors, standing for the faith, fighting the good fight, and we're back at it again. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens and come join us at the table here. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're continuing our study through the book of Ephesians. Now we're really slowed down, slowed down the RPMs on this one. We're now up to part three of chapter four. So there's uh, so much in these chapters here. There's so much that we could do, uh, do to, to look at. Um, so we're just kind of still skipping the stone across the surface. There, there's just so much. And every once in a while, we kind of dive into the depths. And uh, and still, it's almost overwhelming. It's just the word of God as it came from God. As God is infinite, so is his word. It, you literally could spend your entire life studying the word of God, and you would still hardly have even scratched the surface there's so much there's just so much <clears throat> so we're doing the best we can <laughs> uh by the guidance of of the holy spirit the spirit of christ that lives in the heart of every believer taking our time uh, going through and seeing what the lord has for us so uh, grab your bibles and turn with me to what's our reference ephesians chapter 4 we're up to verse 14 Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And uh, as you saw in the intro, our title card there on uh, this message is illegal. Um, the reason I put that up is because, well, it's a statement of fact that the study of the Word of God, the actual scriptures, the Bible, is illegal in many portions of the world many areas of the world um, there are some places like china north korea some places in russia uh, middle east where you could literally be arrested just for having a bible um, let alone speaking it studying it believing it in some places of the world you can literally be killed for being a born-again christian and so what we're doing here is we're standing boldly for the lord declaring the truth hey this may be illegal and I don't care. I'm an outlaw for Jesus, and here in Canada, it uh, many of the things that we talk about in the Word of God actually is against the law. Uh, that I, believe it or not, actually am an outlaw in Canada. Um, I break the law all the time in uh, proclaiming the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. Uh, the majority of the messages that I preach here in Canada are actually illegal and can get me arrested, fined, imprisoned, uh, just for speaking Scripture. So, there you go. And the reason, well, it's because there is no coexistence of faiths. Um, now, I'm not saying that you can't go, do, be, have, believe, whatever you want. You go right ahead. <laughs> go do whatever you want, be whatever you want, believe whatever you want, identify whatever you want. Um, that's completely up to you. I'm not saying you can't. You can. That is entirely your right, as it is my right 
to believe in the Lord God Almighty, my Lord Jesus Christ, to, is my right to study his word, believe what he says, and no government, no king, priest, pope, emperor, prime minister, president, no court of this world, no power of this world can tell me otherwise. But it seemed right unto you to obey you or not. We ought to obey God rather than men. And what the Lord has said is the absolute truth. And I will not bow the knee to any authority of man that contradicts the authority of God. So there is no coexistence of faith. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am the way. The way. And as you see by the title of this message, it is based off of verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. As Jesus says, I am the way. Not a way. The way. One and only. The way. Only There's only one way of truth. I am the way. The truth. There aren't many truths. As you hear by many people say, well, I have my truth. You have your truth. I have my interpretation, you have your interpretation. No, and as we see in the Word of God, it's not open to personal interpretation. What it says is what it means. Jesus is the Almighty God manifested in the flesh. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You can go be, do, have, identify, believe, whatever you want. You're going to have to pay the consequences of it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And if you're not believing in this Lord Jesus, of this truth, of this life, then you're going to pay the consequences of that. You may think you have freedom. Well, you're going to see what happens when your time comes. So, in continuation of our study here, we're going to be talking more about this. The truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. So, if you have any comments, questions, uh, issues, insights, anything else at all like that, regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. We want to try to limit our rabbit trailing as much as we can, which is always a struggle. <laughs> so please grab your tea, grab your coffee. We're going to be studying the word of the only true God. The only true God, the only true Lord, the only true Lord Jesus. So you see by 1 John 5, 20. 1 John 5, 20. Let's take a look. My favorite verse of the Bible. One of my favorite verses. One of my top three. This is probably my number one. 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we might know him that is true. As we were talking about truth, that we might know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. There are many others that call themselves gods, but they are devils and not gods. There are many belief systems, but they are belief systems dreamt up uh, uh, as spawns, a uh, spawn of Satan. They are doctrines of devils and not of God. So let's take a look at what the Word of God has for us today. Now, we were talking about previously about gifts, spiritual gifts, the gift of grace, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians 4. We got down to verse 14. 
talking about the unity of the faith, working together in the Lord, working for the Lord, by the Lord, to the glory of the Lord, and the unity of the faith. The faith. Now, what is the faith? And when we're talking about this kind of thing, we see a lot of people bring in uh, in a form of ecumenicalism where it's they're trying to unify all forms of Judeo-Christian belief systems, bringing in Catholicism, Orthodoxy, and, and uh, all these others, uh, forms of denominations and religions, bringing it all together that if you believe in Jesus generically of any form, then you fall under the banner of Christian. But that's not what the Bible actually says. The way is narrow and few there be that find it. And that, that Catholics and Orthodox are not born-again Christians. Their system is not of God. Their gospel is not of the Word of God. Uh, their, their doctrines are doctrines of devils, contradict the Word of God relentlessly. And they are not of us. So we see that we cannot be in unity with, with those that are of other systems, other belief systems. So we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And that's what these other systems are. Deceptions. They are deceptions to deceive you. And we talked about that, how to protect ourselves, how to guard our hearts and minds, to guard ourselves in the faith. And that they may throw fits and get angry and they scream all kinds of slanderous reports and all kinds of things at us. But as we see, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse our good works. Our good works. What are our good works? Well, that's the good works of Christ. Now, how can we know what is of Christ and what is not? Because granted, people of other of other religions can do good things. Like we see Sikhs. The, the Sikhs are some, some of the most charitable, kind individuals. That doesn't mean they're Christian. Catholics can be wonderfully warm, kind, charitable, loving people. But that doesn't mean they're Christians. The same with the uh, same with some Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and uh, uh, look at Mennonites or whatever the Amish uh, people uh, of other belief systems can be can, can be very nice and can do lots of good things. But the goodness comes by what standard? You see, when we're talking about goodness, we're talking about goodness of God, righteousness as seen as righteous before God. You see, the reason. That people of other systems do good things. By and large, I should say, by and large, not not 100% of all the time, but primarily, is because, well, they have to. Because their entire system is based on good works to earn. Because they they are taught and they believe that the more good things that they do will merit more favor with God and the, and thus gain them more of an ability and a chance of attaining righteousness and earning as a reward for their good works, their salvation. Their, their salvation, 
their spiritual outcome is directly hinged upon their deeds. The reason the Catholic, the Orthodox, uh, the uh, Anglican, and many others do good stuff is for that purpose. <clears throat> Building brownie points. In verse 15, we see here in Ephesians 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Now we go out, we don't hate upon these individuals, but rather we show them and reveal to them the nature of their belief system for the reason, the purpose of being able to reveal to them the truth of Jesus Christ. But speaking the truth in love. And we see many people, instead of using the word of God as it's meant, as a light to show people the truth, to, to uh, help them to find their way out of darkness into the light of Christ, a lot of people use this as a war hammer to beat people over the head to mock, to scoff, to ridicule, to hate upon individuals, people that are made in the image of God, that Jesus atoned for them too on the cross, and that we want to, that we want to not just to win the argument, but we want to win the soul. The reason we expose the heresies and the lies of false religions is so that people can see what's actually going on, what the Lord actually has said. And speaking against a belief system is not speaking against the people this is this is the absolute lie of of social liberal modernism social liberal modernism or i.e wokeness has this deluded this brain dead idea that if you speak against a system an idea you're speaking against people and you're hating people no absolutely not like I, I can say i absolutely hate and detest thievery but i don't hate the thief the thief was made in the image of god and the lord wants him to be saved wants him to repent and believe the gospel that he would be born again saved so i speak against the sin i speak against the error i speak against the darkness i speak against uh the, the false ideologies so that the people can be freed so the people can be free but speak the truth in love. So we got, got to make sure that we understand in making the distinction. Because a lot of people will call foul and say you're mean and harsh and you're unloving. And all this because you dare speak against an idea, speak against a system. Like, for example, yesterday, yesterday, I got called a Satanist. I got called an evil, wicked Satanist because I spoke against Roman Catholicism. Because I was speaking against the office of popery. I was speaking against Mary worship and the Catholic idols. I actually got called, uh, one person got mad at me and said that I am the Antichrist. I, I am literally the Antichrist. Because I dare speak against Mary worship. That people will hate you. They'll call you names. That they'll, they'll deride you. and They'll hate on you. Meanwhile, saying that they're in the truth, well, they're showing real, real, true Christ-like love, aren't they? But we speak the truth. As it says here in verse 15, but look what it says. Yes, in love, in love what? Speak the truth. You speak the truth. You can't water it down. You can't compromise. You have to say the truth. The truth is in Christ. The truth is in God. There's only one true God. There's only one true Lord. 
And as Jesus, Jesus himself said, doth this offend you? And the truth will offend, as the word of God says, the truth will offend. And what, what, uh, what our modern wokeness uh, ideas of our societies are trying to say is that you're not allowed. You are not allowed to offend people. Over in the UK, over in the UK, United Kingdom, it is actually against the law to even offend. If you offend an, 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 an individual, you will be arrested. Police will show up and arrest you for offending. If you post something on social media, say something on Facebook, or you tweet something, and another person just happens to take offense to it, you will be arrested. It is what they are working at, it, what the world is working at, is trying to cut off all angles so that it is impossible to speak the truth of Jesus Christ without getting in trouble. What they're trying to do is find a way to bring the fear of man, the fear of consequences, the fear of societal uprise to, to be a, of such a weight that you have more of the fear of man, the fear of society than the fear of God. But what, what do we see the apostles doing in Acts chapter four and Acts chapter five? They were threatened by the Sanhedrin. They were threatened by the leaders, by the rulers, threatened with, with, with confinement, threatened with prison, threatened with beatings, threatened with death. We command you not to speak in the name of Jesus. Well, whether it seemed right unto you to obey you or not, we ought to obey God rather than men. And if that means go, going to my death, going to prison or or losing freedoms, liberties, or whatever else, then so be it. So be it. Take everything from me. I'll live in a cardboard box, but I'll still preach Jesus. You can't stop me. Arrest me, throw me in prison, I'll preach the inmates. You can't stop me. Throw me in isolation, I'll preach to the guards. You can't stop me. Take the guards away, I'll preach to the angels. You can't stop me. But speaking the truth, but it comes down to, it's not, it's not arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's not anger. It's not be, it's not being mean or harsh. It's the truth. It's the truth. And the people these days want to believe that that the truth is whatever you want it to be. That whatever you feel, whatever you think, Whatever you can imagine, whatever you want, is the truth. That's a lie. That's a delusion. I can say two plus two equals orange. And I can be adamant about that. I go out in the street with placards and scream and shout. And I can dress all in orange and scream and, and paint across my face two plus two equals orange. I can say that all I want. That doesn't make it so. Oh, but the, but that's but that's that person's truth. No, that's that person's delusion. That's that person's delusion. Reality says otherwise. You can say that you can say and scream and believe that the moon is made of cheese all you want. That doesn't make it so. 
You can say whatever you want. It doesn't make it so. You can dress however you want. That doesn't change reality. There is one true reality. There is one truth. And that there is a God. That the word of God is true. That Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and that you must be born again. That we're all sinners and we all must be born again. That there is a heaven, there is a hell, and there's a consequence for sin, and there's a reward of salvation. This is the truth. And it's interesting that you could go out in the street and you can scream and shout and preach Buddhism. No one will bat an eye. You could go out in the street and you could preach at the top of your lungs, Islam. No one will bat an eye. You could go out in the street and preach Scientology. Some people might care, but still, nothing really will happen. But if you go out in the street with the Bible and you start reading the Bible and you start preaching the Bible, all hell breaks loose. The devils come out of every corner, out of all every woodwork, and people start rising up and screaming, and the police are called, and you get fined and arrested and everything else, and you get driven away. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that very interesting? You could go out in the street and you could, uh, street and you could preach Jesus, but that Jesus was just a prophet. Or that Jesus was an alien, like some people think. You could preach any other Jesus. No one would care. But at the moment you go out and you preach that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifest in the flesh, who saves by grace through faith, by belief alone, and you must be born again, and that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, everyone loses their mind. But why are we speaking what we are speaking? Just to be rebels? No. To be anarchists? No. Because we must fight and resist against the authorities. No. Verse 15, Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even, even Christ. For from the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye, walk, that, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness of their heart. They're in darkness. Deceived in ignorance, alienated from God, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. They are completely alienated from understanding. They're completely lost from truth. They are groping about in the dark, thinking that everything that, that they happen to stumble upon is reality, is truth. Looking for, for a truth, but not, under, not understanding and not knowing that the truth is right there. The truth is the light, but they run from the light because they love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil, because their sin controls them. Their sin 
controls them. And the devils compound on this and magnify their sin. And the devils blind them from the truth. Blind them from the truth. To, to cause them to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that while they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imagination. And their foolish heart was darkened, just as we see here. In darkness. In, in, in blind, in ignorance. The blindness of their heart. The heart of flesh, the heart of sin. And then society works together to try to raise up foundations, raise up walls and protections to protect them from the light. But what can we do? Do we go to tear down their, their fortresses? No. We go and we just speak. As Joshua and the Israelites walked around Jericho, did they fight the walls of Jericho? No. Did they throw objects and bring battering rams and, and wage war against, against the walls? No. What did they do? They walked. And they spoke. They spoke the truth. They praised God. They praised the only true God. And they did this day after day after day. They, they didn't work, work, work some trickery against the, against the people in Jericho. They didn't they, they build up all kinds of structures and, and war towers and stuff to fight against. All they did was walk and talk. And the Lord tore down the wall. The Lord is the one who reveals truth. You can't preach conviction. You can't preach conviction. You can only preach truth. And speaking the truth in love, because why are we why are we speaking this? Because we want them to be saved. We want them to be born again. We want them to be like us in, in the understanding, as we saw in 1 John 5:20, to be in Christ. We don't go out preaching denominationalism. We don't go out preaching religion. We go out preaching the cross, the burial, the resurrection, the person, the identity of Jesus, the Christ. There is only one true Lord. There's only one true way. There's only one real truth. There's only one real life. And we only have one life to live. You only get one chance to get it right. For the time, when the time comes and you take your last breath, your heart uh, uh, beats its last beat. Your brain fires its last neuron. That's it. It's over. It's over. There's no coming back. There's no do-overs. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go straight to jail. But we go out as Christ went out. As Christ spoke the truth in love. He didn't care what the person was or where they came from. He told everybody equally. All are lost. All are fallen away. All are corrupted. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. For there's only one that has any good. That is God. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. That the truth would grow up in them, would raise up. You plant the seed and it would rise. 
it would sprout and the truth would start reaching out the branches the roots would start reaching out into all aspects of their reasoning that they would start seeing it in every attempt of logic that they call logic the truth would start to pierce and would and would start to change their way of thinking that instead of seeing the world as an evolved thing uh, uh, of nihilism but rather they start looking upon creation now that the seed that you've planted would start to make them think maybe there is a god that made it and i did not evolve maybe there is a god maybe there are consequences for sin maybe there is something to this jesus and they start to think they start to contemplate but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even christ and their and their ideas would start to raise their eyes and they look up and they would start looking at the cross this is why we speak what we speak this is why we do what we do it's not a crusade a war against religions we are not called to to crusade there are no crusaders in jesus christ the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What strongholds? The strongholds of sin and the devil. The stronghold of hell. The stronghold of condemnation. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened. Their understanding is darkened. They don't understand. And so many people go out and they try to preach Christ and they get frustrated with the unsaved because the, the because of the unsaved's ideas and reasonings and their, their their belligerencies. But they can't understand. It's impossible for them to understand that the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God. His understanding being darkened. It's but by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't preach conviction, but you can preach truth. And the Spirit of God rides on the truth. That when you speak the truth in love, you speak the truth in Christ likeness, you go out and, and, and with, the, uh, with this, the sorrowing heart, the grieving heart for the lost, you go out and you speak the truth in love, the Spirit of God rides on the truth. And he sparks their understanding. He grants them the enlightenment, the work of the Holy Ghost upon them, giving them, a, giving them a taste of, a glimpse of. Their understanding starting to be changed and that there's a spark of light in their understanding. And they see, verse 18, how they are alienated. Our sins have separated us from God. They start to see their sin. And you speak the truth, you continue to speak the truth, and the truth of God reveals to them how they are a sinner, and the law of God works upon their heart as a schoolmaster, educating them, showing them how all have sinned. All are fallen away. All are become corrupt. That through the ignorance that is in them, the ignorance of the word of God, you educate them, you show them. You show them, you help them to understand because of the blindness of the hearts, they can't see. It's like a, it's like a child that can't read. They can't read it. They can't understand it. They don't 
get it. So what do you do? You sit with them and you show them. You show them the letters of the word, the letter of the law. You show them the letters, the truth of Christ. You show them the images, the truths, the doctrines, the the reality that is Jesus Christ in love. Why would you sit with them to show them? As Jesus sat with publicans and sinners, he sat with with the blasphemers and the harlots, and he revealed to them the righteousness of God. So do we. But as you see, in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over. They have given themselves over. They, they have allowed the sin to control them. Now we plead that they would allow the Spirit of God to work on their minds, to work on their hearts. Verse, uh, verse 20, but, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him you have heard. How will they hear without a, without a preacher? How will they believe upon him whom they have not heard? How will they believe without a preacher? They must hear it as you heard it. And have been taught by him. Verse 21. And have been taught by him. As you were taught about Jesus Christ. We go and teach them. It's not, it's not an argument debate. God is not the one on trial. You are not debating to prove the reality of God. He is true. He is the reality. He is not the argument. The argument is them, their sin, their state. God is not the one on trial. You don't have to defend the word of God. It doesn't need it doesn't need you to defend. It defends itself. It's a caged lion. Let it out. It'll defend itself. It doesn't matter who it is, what it is, or how many they are. The truth is in Jesus. And Jesus has never lost an argument. Jesus has never lost. Jesus is God. And God has never, ever lost. He doesn't lose. And he never will lose. He always wins. So God is not the one that is being threatened. You are not the one that's being hated. They are in threat of sin and hell. And they must understand. And they hate the truth. As Jesus says, they will hate you because of me. Because of who he is. What he is. Because of what he stands for. He stands for righteousness. And darkness hates light. Darkness hates light. As the truth is in Jesus, I am the way, the truth, the life, as the Lord says. In verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Stop stop arguing like you used to. Stop trying to reason and logic like you used to. Stop using the words of men. Start using the words of God. Stop trying to use the reasonings of the philosophies of this world. Start using the reasoning of God, of the word of God. Because my words will not convict. My words, my logic, my reasoning will not convert the sinner. I'll better luck converting a brick out of the wall by banging my head on it, trying to use my ways, my reasoning, my logic. When I use the word of God, I'm using a power that is above all powers. I'm using the power of the almighty Lord God. 
I'm speaking the words of the living God. And his words are life. My words are spirit. They are life, as Jesus says. I use his words. I'm not arguing and debating and pleading to, to bring them to church. I want to bring them to Jesus. I'm not arguing for them to take on a, a, a path of religion. I'm asking them to come to the narrow road at the foot of Jesus at the cross. As the truth is in Jesus, not in, not, in, uh, not in denominational. The truth is in Jesus, not a church building. In Jesus, not Mary. In Jesus, not angels and saints. In Jesus, not in your righteousness, but his righteousness. His righteousness. So put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, the arguments of flesh. The arguments of this world, the ways of this world. It's not, it's not about the works and the righteous works and the do's and the do-nots, but rather it's in whether you have believed or not believed. You put off concerning the former conversation, the old men, the old tongue. The old tongue, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 23, be renewed, changed, regenerated, redeemed. A complete new thing, something so different, it's seen as alien to this world. And is the gospel of Jesus Christ not considered such? Completely alien to the ways of this world. This world hates this method. It is so different, it, it's, it's considered alien. Just as it says, we are not of this world. We are called out of this world, but we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, your way of thinking, your logic, your philosophies, your doctrines, your ideas, your opinions, completely renewed. And if you take a look, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And as Paul says, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. That our thinking, our imagination, our reasoning would be that which is in complete unity of the faith with God. Unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. Verse 24, and that ye put on the new man. And that ye put on the new man. That, e that even in our appearance, our speech, our actions, and now our works would be in unity with the spirit of our mind. That in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness. Not this fake holiness, as you see in some belief systems. Where they think that wearing fancy mystic garb makes them holy. Or bowing before statues makes them holy. Or, be, or that they think that they're doing works and righteous works makes them holy. Holiness is of God. Not of me. Holiness is that which is of Christ's likeness of his righteousness that, that of which he gave me. He, he imputed his righteousness, his holiness, his ways. It's his holiness, not mine. 
I cannot be holy. He is holy, and he makes me holy by him, through him, of his spirit. The, 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 the false ideas of the lost, they think holiness is attained through what you do. Holiness is attained by, by fighting against your personal desires. Lock yourself away in a monastery and you can make yourself holy. If you could make yourself holy, then that means that you yourself can also be the savior of the world. Um, no, we cannot be holy. That you put on the new man. What is this new man that is put on? It's not, it's not me that does it. But rather, it, it is that which the Lord has given me. A new heart, new mind, new spirit. That you put on Christ. You put on Christ's likeness. That you walk in spirit, no, mo no longer walk in flesh. You speak in spirit, no longer speak in flesh. You pray in spirit, no longer pray according to the flesh. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. Speak every man truth. Now, what is truth? Did not Pontius Pilate say that to Jesus? What is truth? What is truth? While well, he was looking truth dead in the eye. Pontius Pilate, staring at Jesus, says, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. I. Truth is a person, not an ideology. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. It's the person of God. The true God. The only true God. The only true God, the only true Savior, the only true Redeemer. We preach Jesus. We argue for Jesus. Because he so loved this world that he gave himself. He gave himself for this world because he's not willing that any should perish, but he calls all men to him. God commands all men everywhere to repent because he is not willing that any should perish. But he so loves them, he made a way for them. You don't have to try to earn his favor. Just come to him as you are. It's so easy. It's so easy because it's by grace, not works. It's by grace, not of yourselves. It's by grace, not righteous works. It's by grace, not works of the law. It's by grace, not monasticism. It's by grace, not pleading upon Mary. It's by grace of Jesus Christ, not by any other name that is named. It's by grace of Jesus, not by any other power. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Everyone around you speak the truth. Do not water it down. Do not compromise. And if they hate you, understand that they hated me before they hated you, as Jesus says. That in this world you shall suffer tribulation. What makes you think that this world should treat you any different than the way they treated your master? For we are members one of another. We work together. 
under, under the same spirit of the same faith of the same Lord of the same Jesus of the same cross of the same doctrine be ye angry and sin not that's righteous anger anger against sin you hate the sin so much it the, the sin sin is your enemy But in righteousness, you speak to the person because they just don't understand. They have no understanding. They have no knowledge. They don't get it. They are so lost. And we must, we, we, we pity them. We grieve for them. How they could just not understand. They don't see it. And we plead with them in, in tears, pleading with the lost. Not rejoicing over their demise. That, that, that we sorrow for them. As the Lord sorrows for them. Look what the Lord went, went through for them. What then are the lengths that we should go? How should we see the lost? Be angry and sin not. We absolutely hate and detest the way society has gone. We detest with every fiber of our being the way the governments are going, what the school systems are doing, what's happening in society, everything around us. It's so just debaucherous and sinful and wicked, but that doesn't make us treat the people in that way. Sin is the power of hell, and we combat that with the power of heaven, which is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we go in the name of Jesus Christ, the devils flee, they fall back, and they, they give way to the power of the spoken word of the living God. We plead for them. We sorrow for them. We grieve for them. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. We don't, we don't pour this anger upon the persons because they just don't understand. They have not the Spirit of God working on them yet, so they have not the understanding. So what do we do? We want to give them that understanding in eagerness and joy. We give them the glad tidings of the great message of the good news of Jesus Christ. We go to them in excitement and joy saying, look, here is understanding. I found it. Here is wisdom. Here is knowledge. I can open your eyes as the blind man, as Jesus, he put the clay on, on the man's eyes, told him to go wash. And we asked them to wash their eyes in the water of life that they might come seeing. Give no place to the devil. Verse 27. Give no place to the devil. Do not allow personal frustration with society and sin of this world do not allow the ways of this world the ways of sin and darkness to corrupt the presentation of our message the way that we would treat the sinners understanding that as they are we were as we are they shall be we want them to be like us they we want them to have the understanding and to be saved in christ do not allow the ways of this world to corrupt your message, to corrupt your presentation, to corrupt the way that you see the lost. They, they don't know any better. The way that they run and identify and corrupt themselves, the way that they corrupt themselves just makes your head spin. 
but they are as children lost in darkness. Children lost in darkness. They have no understanding. You can't blame them. You can't blame them. Some say, well, well, they know what they're doing is wrong. But there's no understanding. Because the darkness has blinded them. And, and they have no light. They have no light. They think a, a different shade of black is light. Because this black is not as black as that black. They think that that black is light. It's still darkness. It's not light. It casts different shadows, but those shadows are just yet more deceptions. More deceptions, more delusions. And you can't see the cliff edge. The ultimate cliff edge that you will fall off into the fires of hell. And you must be saved. You must have the understanding. Do not give place to the devil. Do not blame them. Do not hate them. Do not spite them. Do not, re do not render evil for evil. Speak evil of no man, but love them as Christ loves them, because they don't know any better. The devil wants us to fight. The devil wants us to be schismatic. The devil wants us to water down, to compromise in some way, some form, in any way. He doesn't even care how, just as long as you do, somehow corrupt your message. Change the angle. Throw in different hobby horses. Present it for a different point. That the reason you're preaching is just is just so that you can you can build up the church membership role, so that you can get more tithes in the in the plate, so you can claim a bigger congregation, for personal notoriety and fame. To fight and argue in a form of crusade for denominationalism. But why are we going out and pleading with them? Why do we bear our hands to the wolves? Sticking our hands in the wolves' mouths. Why do we do this? To plead them that they would look upon the hands of Jesus Christ. To plead with them that they'd look upon his nail-scarred hands. That they'd see his blood, his work, his righteousness, what he's done for them. Because only God, only Jesus Christ, can change a wolf into a sheep. Think about that one. Only God can turn a wolf into a sheep. And all of these wolves are running rabid. Rabid and rotting. Off the cliff edge into the fires of hell. And what are the saints doing? Arguing about politics and sports and social issues and conspiracies and everything else. Corrupting themselves deliberately. Because they've gotten off on tangents. That we have forgotten our first love. As the Lord said to John regarding the churches in the book of Revelation. That they have left off their first love. 
Our first love is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can make sense of this world. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can fix the problems of this world. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ can fix and, and solve all the social issues. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can save the sinner. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the wicked. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can stop the abominations. So what are you preaching? Or have you given place to the devil and, and, and submitted some other argument, some other message in place of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are you preaching? What are you advocating? What are you posting? What are you fighting? What are you arguing? Do not give place to the devil. Remember the meekness of Jesus Christ. Remember the humility of Jesus Christ. Remember the spirit of Jesus Christ. The way that he showed it to sinners. The way he pleaded his disciples to do it. Look at the way that Paul did. Peter did. Look at the way they all did. Which of the prophets did they not kill? Look at the way the prophets presented. They, they, they came and they bore their hearts. They bore their souls and they sowed in tears that they might reap in joy. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Do not rob from God. You're on the clock. You're a priest of the temple. Do not rob God by going off and doing your own thing, but rather serve him as you've been called in your vocation, your ministry, as the Lord has called you. Steal no more from the Lord. Do not steal his platform, his pulpit, for your own benefit. For your own personal desires. Rather, rather labor, working that which is good. And again, here's that goodness. The goodness which is Christ. What shall, we, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. What is that which is good? For there is only one which has any good that is God. Let his hands work that thing which is good. To work God's goodness. In his fruits of the spirit, in his ideologies, of his doctrines, of his opinions, of his message, his presentation, not yours, not mine. That he may have to give to them that need it. Because what makes you think that in some way, shape or form, that, that something that you have of which is of you, of your work, can provide their need? You're not the savior. You do not work righteousness. He works righteousness through you. I am not righteous. He is the righteous one. And it's his righteousness that's imputed upon me. I have none of my own. I cannot work good. But rather he works the goodness through me. I die to self that he might live through me. He speaks through me. He works through me. It's not my speaking my works. Do you see that? So how can we work good? By giving up, stopping, and letting him live through us. That we might have to give to them that need it. Because only God can provide the need. Peter and John did not heal the crippled man. But that, uh, but what, that which I do have, I give unto you, which is Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. 
Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't fight and bicker and argue and spit and kick and hiss with others. Separate yourself. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Let your speech be always salted with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Because I'm telling you, they're all listening. You think that they're not paying attention. You think they're not watching. You think they're not listening. You think that, that they're not keeping an eye on you out of the corner of their eye. When you think that you're all alone, you're being listened to. You're being watched. We're surrounded with a cloud of witnesses, both of flesh and spirit. Let us communicate ourselves as such, as servants of the Lord. But that which is good, there it is again, but that which is good, God's idea of goodness, not mine. God's idea of goodness, not yours. God's idea of goodness, not the world's. For the edification of the saints, the edification of the spirit, edifying, lifting up, blessed of God, blessed of God, and the joy of God, the joy of his spirit, and the ways of his spirit, edifying according to Christ's likeness, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, that it would serve, it would bless, it would reach others and be a blessing unto others by grace. It's not earned, it's not a reward, it's grace. Unto the hearers, they're listening. You plant the seeds in the mind because we want to renew the minds. Renew and change the way that people look upon Jesus, look upon him whom they have pierced. That if they but look on him, they'd be healed. Just like the Jews, that they would but look upon the bronze serpent. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that they just look upon, they'd be healed. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That they'd look upon Jesus, they'd be healed. We want to change the way they look at things, the way they think of things. And only Jesus Christ can change that. You can't preach conviction. All you can do is preach truth. That it may minister grace. That it would minister grace. Grace. There it is again. What does grace mean? Unmerited favor. Unto the hearers. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. How can we grieve the Spirit of God? What does it mean to be grieved? Hurt. Sorrow. Sadness. That when the... When, when the the child of the parent, they're told to do something and the child's just being belligerent. That feeling that the parent gets, that grief, it's a heaviness, sorrow. That just You just long, just, why won't you just do as you're told? That kind of attitude that the parent has, the Lord has with us. That the Lord can be grieved at us, grieved by us. When we corrupt ourselves, when we corrupt our message, we corrupt our work. When we dirty our hands in the things of this world. When we just won't do as we're told. What is it the Lord wants us to do? It's not religion. It's not, the, it's not a following of law and commandments. It's just, what's our calling? What's our vocation? What are we here for? To bring the sinners to Christ. 
because unto us is given the message of reconciliation, not to angels. The Lord doesn't walk down the roads bellowing out the message, but rather he through us, but he's looking for those who will be the voices in the wilderness, like John the Baptist, to go and tell them. He says, I will give you the words. I will give you, my people, my children, I will give you the words. I'll tell you what to say. Why won't you just go? Why won't you tell your neighbor? Why won't you tell them? It grieves me that you won't tell them, the Lord says. It grieves me that you won't stand up for me, the Lord says. It grieves me when you put the ways of the world ahead of me. It grieves me when you compromise my gospel, my message, with other arguments and things of this world. It grieves me when you won't follow me, the Lord says. Come follow me. Just say what I say. Do what I do, the Lord Jesus says. And it grieves me when you don't. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Spirit of God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you. He will always stay with you, even when you grieve him. Because it's grace. That's the grace of God. The sheer grace of God. That he stays with us, even when we betray him. He stays with us even when we grieve him. We, he stays with us even when we're disobedient, rebellious, and spoiled rotten. And he pleads with us. He keeps pleading. He keeps pleading. Will you please? Will you just please go tell them? Will you please tell them the truth? Stand up for the truth. Fight for the truth. Don't fight to win the argument. Fight to win the soul. Change your angle, your perception. What are you fighting for? What are you living for? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That you would hate that. You would hate that kind of behavior. You would hate that kind of thinking, that way of talking. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Bitter. How you could be bitter with someone else. Put that away. Stop that. That's childishness. Forgive them. As the Lord forgives you, so forgive them. Stop holding grudges. Enough of that. Let go of, of these grudges. Let it go. Well, you have no idea what they've done to me. You have no idea what you do to the Lord every day on a regular basis. And as he can forgive you, so you forgive them. Because as the Lord says, if you don't forgive them, the Lord is not going to forgive you. Put away bitterness. Put away wrath with individuals. But change it, righteous anger, wrath against sin, not the persons that you love. You love the sinner as Christ loves them. This is not a compromising love that you would accept their ways, but rather you love the soul. Because they were made in the image of God and the Lord wants them to be saved just as he wanted you to be saved. Put away bitterness. Put away wrath. Put away anger. How you get angry with people. Stop that. Stop that. Put away clamor and evil speaking. Arguments and fights and bickerings. Put that away. Be put away from you with all malice. Look how the Lord conducted himself. We conduct ourselves accordingly. 
Because what makes you think that the Lord is going to bless your message if you if you present the message in a spirit that is not Christ-likeness? What makes you think that the Lord is going to work with you, work through you, and bless your message when your spirit is not operating by the, by the fruits of the Spirit of God? What makes you think that God is going to bless your message when it's spoken in anger and wrath and hate and hating and, and, and rendering evil for evil? What makes you think that the Lord is going to use you, be able to use you, when you won't stop bickering and fighting with people? Calling names and deriding and cursing out of the same mouth that proceeds both blessing and cursing ought not such a thing so to be. But put away corrupt communication out of your mouth. But rather that which is good to the use of edifying. Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. What is this kindness? What kind of kindness? Kindness. The way of a kind. The way of a kind. What kind are we? And he made all things after their kind. But we are made after Christ. The Christ-like kind. As the Lord is, so should we. As the Lord speaks, so we speak. As he works, so we work. As he sees, so we see. We look past the flesh and we look at the soul. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how many piercings, how many tattoos, how many scars. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you're looking. I don't care about any of that. I'm looking straight through you, right to your soul. I see your soul. Is your soul saved or not? That's all I care about. I don't care where you're going, what you're doing, how you're talking. I don't care about any of that. I judge not after the appearance. I judge righteous judgment. Judging after the appearance, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters if they're saved or not. It matters what where, where their soul is heading or not. Or they're, they are, they are born again in Jesus Christ or not. That's the only thing we look at. Be kind one to another as Christ is. How kind is Jesus to the sinners of this world? How kind is he? How kind is Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world, the so love, that self-sacrificing love. Self-sacrificing. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man who lay down his life for his friends, and that's what Jesus did. God Almighty, God purchased the church with his own blood, Acts 20, 28. God Almighty gave himself, sacrificed himself, his own life's blood for them. How much more should we? How much more should we? If Christ can die for this world, what are you going to give for it? How, what would you give for a soul that if, if hypothetically it was in your power that it's something you could give to save a lost soul from hell, what would you give? Would you give your life? You say yes? Then why aren't you now? Why don't we go out now? Why, why aren't we doing it now? Why wait until that point? Why not do it now? It's like the saying, you know, if you found out you only had one week left to live, how would you live that week for Jesus Christ? That at the end of this week, you're going to die. 
How would you live for the Lord for that week? Why are you living like that now? Why aren't you kind now? Be kind one to another. Why aren't you kind now? Why aren't you loving now? Why aren't you speaking now? Why aren't you working now? Well, start. Do it. Let today be the day of salvation. Oh, you are born again saved. But what about saved from yourself? You know, we never really think about it in that way. To be renewed in our mind. Saved from ourselves. Saved from our own personal lusts and desires and selfishness and self-conceitedness. Saved from, from, from our own slothfulness and service of the Lord. Saved from our own distractions and hindrances that we create ourselves. That we can hardly see the path, the narrow road from the dust that we've created ourselves. We've thrown up so much dust of distraction and hindrances and hobby horses that we can barely see the narrow road. And we start arguing and bickering and spitting and kicking and cursing one another because, well, I see differently than you, but it's we're all still lost in the dust. How can we let the dust settle? Surrender ourselves, die to self, repent, and serve the Lord. To be saved from our flesh, saved from ourselves, saved from the distractions and the hindrances of this world because these are the ways of the devil. Neither give place to the devil, the distractions and the hindrances of this world to stop you from serving the Lord. The way that the ways of the devil is firstly to stop people from being saved. But if he can't stop you from being saved, he's going to stop you from being able to be used by God. He's going to stop you from being kind one to another. He's going to stop you from speaking the truth of God unashamedly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there are so many that are. And how do you know you are when you won't speak it? When you're around sinners, you clam up. You're around sinners, you don't speak Christ. You're around sinners, you don't show Christ-likeness. That in a crowd, you can't point out the Christians. What's the difference? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. We're back in the day. The saints of God stood out like burning torches. You could hear them, uh, hear them from the rumbling of the moving of the Spirit of God about them as they went and worked and spoke and fought and taught of the truth of God. That where they went, you could follow, as uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill says about John the Baptist, you could see the way he go. You knew where he was because you could follow the teardrops in the ground. You could, you could follow him because you could hear the roaring of truth coming from his mouth. Sun burnt on the outside and burnt by the fire of God on the inside and he couldn't hold it in and he bellowed out the truth. Where are the holy men and women of God today? We see the holy men and women of God of time past and the Old, the Old Testament and the New Testament and the great revivalists of time past. We keep living in the past. And we're not living in the present. We keep rejoicing about the past of, of the what was, but what about the what is and the what shall be? Where are, where's the, where are the saints of God of the next generation? If we're letting it go, what's going to happen 50 years from now? You look at the state of the churches today. Are there going to be any in 20 years? Where are the mighty men and women of God today? The people who no longer care about the ways of this world, or rather they care about the lost souls of this world. 
They care about the burning, uh, burning of hell and the burning of the Spirit of God in the hearts of the believers. Why are we arguing about things and fighting about politics and social issues when that cannot be changed? You cannot change a soul by philosophy. You cannot change this world by psychology. You cannot change this world by arguing social constructs. You cannot change this world by changing governments. You cannot change this world by changing education systems. You cannot change this world by any other name or any other power but the Lord God, Jesus Christ. So what are you fighting? What are you pushing forward? Are you grieving the Spirit of God by preaching a different message? Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change a person. And, and we see the way this world is going is because the saints have changed their message. Revival stop happening when there's no more revivals in the church. Revival starts in the church first, not the street. Revivals start in the hearts of saints, not sinners. If we are not in a state of revival by the spirit of the living God, what makes you think that there's going to be a revival in the towns and cities? If we're not praying that we first would be saved from ourselves, what makes you think the sinners are going to be saved from their sin? To be kind one to another is to encourage and stoke fire under one another, kind enough that to take their cause upon ourselves, that we encourage each other, edify each other, help each other, love each other, to bring ourselves again back to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the point. This is the goal. This is the purpose. This is the all in all. Nothing else. We march with the cross. Take up the cross and follow me, Jesus says. Not take up your denomination, take up your works, take up your desires, take up your own religiosities, take up the cross. And how can you carry the cross if your hands and arms are full of other things? Empty yourselves, forsake all, pick up the cross, follow me. If you want a revival, you must surrender to the Lord. You must surrender to the truth of Jesus Christ. You must repent and seek, seek that the Lord would save you from yourself. So many ministries are corrupted with hobby horses and tangents and rabbit trails. And they've left their first love. They make it about their name themselves, their, their fame, their fortune, the notoriety of some other issue, some other argument, some other thing, some other way, some other truth. But if they have not seen the truth, the way, the life first, they're not going to understand anything else. You can't preach theology to people. You can't preach other doctrines and other teachings of the Bible to, to the people if they first do not have Jesus Christ. What makes you think they're going to understand any other point of Scripture, any other point of righteousness, if they do not have the Spirit of the living God within them as they're born again first? We preach the gospel first. Our first love, the first way, the first and only thing, the, the first and foremost that we must have in our hearts and minds. Every morning we wake up, his mercies are new every morning, the mercy of Jesus Christ. We say good morning to Jesus Christ first, and we carry him with us throughout the day, everywhere we go, and everything that we do. Because if we're not presenting Jesus Christ, nothing else is going to make sense. It's going to be nothing but chaos and confusion, frustration, and just bitterness.
because we're going to start fighting and infighting. As one preacher says, the, the Christian army is the only army that shoots their own wounded. There'll be no love and kindness one to another, but when we come with, uh, with one another, carrying the cross of Christ on our shoulders, that it would bruise us, that we feel it in everything that happens, that it would cause us to be grieved at the way of this world so that we'd speak up and cry out the truth of the living God. That every pothole, every pit, every rock would cause, uh, cause the cross of Christ to scuff our shoulders and we'd feel the pain again. The pain of the message, the pain of Christ that would cause us to cry out the truth of Jesus Christ. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Broken. Are you broken for the lost? What does it mean to be broken? Broken. So broken that it's just this... You just give up on anything else except this one hope. A hope. A, you're broken for them. You sorrow for them. You grieve for them. All you can think about is them. And in tears, you plead the living God would save them. When was the last time you cried for the lost? You actually shed tears for lost souls. There was a time when saints used to cry for the lost and plead them before they fell off the cliff into the fires of hell. But now, the majority of saints, is like I said before, uh, they laugh and joke and hold barbecues over, over the flames of hell while they talk politics and other issues. Where are the saints that's that smell of the smoke of hell because they live on the front edge and with and with some pulling them out of the fire? Where are the singed saints? The saints who stand as, as an attempting last hope at the cliff edge, pleading the lost souls. Where are the saints that, that are smoking because they stand so close, they work so hard to save them from the fire? Where are the saints that sorrow for the lost? Where are the saints that care only about Christ? Where are the saints that care about and burn for the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Where are they? It's a rarity. It's a rare breed. It's a rare breed to find a Christian today who cares nothing for this world except for lost souls. It's a rare breed. A Christian that burns for the truth of the living God. A rare breed that will sorrow for the lost, who will speak up for Jesus Christ, who cares nothing for themselves. Couldn't care less what other people call you. Couldn't care whether it be rain or spit that falls on you because the truth of Christ must get out. A rare breed that, that doesn't hold the sinner to what they've done to you. Paul never blamed the ones holding the whip that beat him. He never cursed them. But rather he would turn around and preach to them. The same soldiers that beat him, he gave the gospel. The same emperor that commanded his head to be chopped off, he preached the gospel to. And I'll bet you, that with my last bottom dollar, I would bet you everything I have that as Paul was walking up that hill to the chopping block that he turned his face to his executioner that was holding the axe and just as that axe is about to fall I'll bet you anything that Paul was telling him the gospel 
But what do you hear Christians today arguing? My rights, my feelings, my opinions, arguing about personal desires. Personal thoughts and opinions and feelings and everything. Instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The saints today should be ashamed of themselves for how they have dropped the torch, dropped the banner, and dropped the message of Jesus Christ. And letting the hordes go off into hell without trying to stem the flow. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, working together. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Working together. Unto one holy calling, one holy vocation, one holy message of one holy God, of one holy cross, of our one and holy Lord God, Jesus Christ. Because the truth is only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Remember the forgiveness of our Lord that He had towards you on that wonderful moment when you were born again saved. Do you remember the weight that was lifted? Do you remember how much blood it took of our Lord to wash you clean? Do you remember that moment when the Lord shone his goodness, his kindness, his grace and mercy upon you and he convicted you of your sin and he brought you to the truth and you called out and cried out upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he sealed you with his spirit. He washed you with his blood. He wrote your name in his book. Do you remember that moment? Let that be the fight. That moves you so that you would seek that that moment to fall upon another and another and another. That's what we're here for. Not for any kingdom of this world. This world is going to burn. This world's going to burn. Not one brick will be left on another. God is going to turn this planet into ash. But there's only one thing that is eternal, that is everlasting. A kingdom that is forever and that is spirit. That is spiritual. We seek the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world. We seek the empire of our Lord Jesus Christ of spirit, not empires of this world. The liberties of Christ's likeness, not the liberties of flesh. The constitution of Jesus Christ, not, not fleshly, earthly, paper constitutions of man. We want the truth of God, not the truths, so-called truths of this world. We want the cross of Christ, not, not, the, not the crosses of personal causes. For Christ's sake, not our own. Christ's sake, for the glory of God, not the glory of men. Christ's sake. We're here for Jesus Christ. We're not here for any other name. We're not here for any other power. We're not here for any other point. God, God reaches into the fires of hell and he pulls us out and he washes us clean. He says, now would you just stand here by the fire door? And tell them. You are not the one that saves them. You're the one that warns them. The watchman on the wall warns them. We have a simple job to do. It's so simple a Christian can do it. And that is speak Jesus. 
It's a job that's so easy a Christian can do it. Hand out gospel tracts. It's so easy a Christian can do it. Just stand here and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. As, as Jesus said to the Gadarene who was delivered from the legion of demons. It's so easy uneducated fishermen can do it. And that is preach Jesus. How hard is that? If you say, well, I don't know how, then what makes you think you're saved if you don't know how to speak Jesus? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption, the same Spirit that even tells you what to say. You don't have to worry about it. I will give you the words with which to say. I will teach you how to pray. I'll be with you always, and I will cause you to be in remembrance of everything that I have told you. You don't even have to worry about it. I'll tell you. Just go and say it. Say what? You must be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the belief of your heart upon him, you'll be saved. Repent. Believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're all sinners. How? Show them. Show them why Jesus came, why he went to the cross, what he did, and what this means. What must I do? It's so easy a Christian can do it. The truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. And in chapter 5, verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Followers of God. Followers of God. Not followers of opinions and ways and thoughts and ideals of this world. Followers of God and God's truth. Because the people of this world have their own truth, their own idea of truths. As Jesus says, for the devil is a liar and the father of it, and there's no truth in him. There's no truth in the devil. Therefore, there's no truth in any of the devil's doctrines. No truth in any of the devil's philosophies and psychologies and ideas and, and, and constructs. No truth. I.e. no salvation. No righteousness. No hope. A complete and absolute nihilistic void of anything of God. The arch nemesis of God. That only, only gets as a reward the wrath of God. And so, so were some of you. We were all lost. And as the Lord had, had mercy upon us, he desires to pour this mercy upon them. Why are we holding it from them? Why are we hiding it from them? Why are we closing up the gates of heaven from them? Stopping them from having an opportunity to be born again saved. How dare we? That's treason of the Most High God to, to hide the truth of Jesus Christ from the lost. It's treason. It's betrayal. What kind of an individual 
would desire to, 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 to point people to different angles on different arguments of different things away from the cross of Christ. What kind of a person would do that? But what is Christ like kindness? But be ye kind one to another, to your neighbor, to fellow brothers and sisters. Be kind. This is Christ like kindness. You see what their need is. What is their need? What is a greater need than the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's a greater need than to see the empty tomb? To see the full work of Jesus Christ? To see the blood-stained cross and the drops of blood to the grave, but yet an empty tomb? What is a greater need than to see this? To understand this? To see the love of Jesus Christ? To see those bleeding hands of Jesus Christ as he reaches out to grab you and change you, to wash you with his own hands? To pour upon you his own spirit, to bless you in his name, and then with his holy pen to write your name in his family book. Neither give place to the devil. Because I'm telling you, it's nothing but an absolute deception of hell to get the saints angled on other issues than the issue of Christ. How can we serve the Lord? In the fear of God. Well, what is the fear of God? This is holy, reverential worship and respect. Do you respect Jesus? Do you respect the Word of God? Oh, you say you do. But how can we prove it? You say you have faith. You say you love the Lord. You say you're a child of God. Well, how can you prove it? What does a child of the living God, a servant, a disciple of Jesus Christ, what, what do they do? What do they sound like? What do they look like? How do they work? How do they show themselves? For Christ's sake. That when they see you coming, when they, when they hear you, when they think of you, that it's not you that they're seeing and hearing and sensing, but, a, but there's something else. There's something else that grabs their attention. And this is what 1 Peter 3.15 is about. But be always ready to what? To give an answer to them that come and ask you. Why are they coming to ask you? What are they asking you about? The hope that is in you. There's something about you that's so different. You stand out. You don't talk like others. You don't sound like others. You're not like others. There's something so different about you and they want to know what that is. What is that that is drawing them? Christ. It's Christ that is drawing them. The Spirit of Christ is speaking, working, living through you in such a way that it grabs their attention. And they want to know. So I ask you, when those around you look at you, when they hear you, when they think of you, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? Is it Christ? Is it Jesus Christ? 
We're not an army of one. We're not an army of one. We're not soul lone lone wolf commandos. We work together in one unity of one spirit. We work shoulder to shoulder under one name, not mine. One spirit, not mine. For one work, that is not mine. Under one message, that is not mine. Under a cross that we carry, that is not mine. I don't carry my cross, but my cross is the cross of Jesus Christ. I carry his cross to show people what Jesus did. It's not my cross, but it's his that I carry. His cross becomes mine. I want to show people the empty cross. I want to show them the nail prints. I want to show them the blood stains. I want to show them the empty tomb. I want to show them the person that, that dealt with it, the person that was on it, the person that was in it, but is alive forevermore and wants to save them. I want to show them Jesus Christ. Why would I want to change that message? Why would I want to go off on other tangents? Why would I want to get drawn off into other issues? Why, in all that is holy, would I ever want to care about the cares of this world? Rather, I want to care about the cause of Christ. I don't care what the governments do or say. I couldn't care less. I care about what the government of God says. I don't care about what presidents and prime ministers and kings and emperors have to say. I couldn't care less what they say. I care about what the king of kings has to say. I stand as a, as a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of this world. I'm an ambassador of the empire of almighty God that is everlasting and can never, can never be lost, can never lose, and never fades away. His authority of his word, of his ways, a power above all powers. But when I step in the room, when I step in the room, I, what I want to happen is I want the devils to start trembling. I want their knees to knock. because Not because I stepped in the room, because of who I stepped into the room with. I don't care what you do to me, what you say to me, or, or what may happen to me. I care about whether or not you have heard the truth of Jesus Christ. Stone me if you will, but I'm going to be preaching Christ between the stones. Where are the saints today? Where is the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life? Is it gathering dust on the bookshelf? Is it being left behind the doors at church. If you're leaving the gospel in the pews, it, it, then you are no, no work, no service for the Lord. You need to carry it out of the church into the streets. Don't leave it in the dash of the car where the, where the tracks keep getting sunbaked, sunbaked, and the, and the message starts fading away because there's so much sun on them. Get them out. Serve the Lord. Repent of your ways. Repent of your flesh. Serve the Lord in fear and trembling. Serve the Lord like the faith is real. Serve the Lord like Jesus Christ is real. Serve the Lord like you say you believe in him. Serve the Lord like, like the message is real. If you're, if you're only waiting to serve the Lord until something happens, 
What about when it's all calm? Yes, we preach the gospel in the storm, but we also preach it in the calm. We preach it at home. We preach it with friends and co-workers and family and strangers. It goes everywhere. We preach it even to saints because preaching the gospel to the saints encourages them and it stokes the fire under them. But if you only serve the Lord under certain circumstances, then you have no service at all. To be always ready, always working, rejoicing always, even rejoicing in tribulations where we are without excuse. Because I'm telling you, as I'm no different than you, but I've determined in myself that when I stand before the Lord, I want to minimize as much as possible any possible pointing of the finger that says, why, why didn't you take me seriously? Do you take God seriously? Or when you stand before him, are you going to hear him say, why didn't you take me seriously? This world will say, well, you take it way too seriously. Good. I don't take it serious enough. But I take it as seriously as I can. As I am able. With what I have at my disposal. Where are you? What's at your disposal? How, how can you use your circumstances of where you are to take God seriously? To be kind one to another is to love one another enough to stoke a fire under one another to take the faith seriously. To point out errors and issues in love. Not to shame. But that the shame of it would cause us to serve the Lord in fear and trembling. To love each other enough to help each other to keep going. To fight the good fight. To keep the faith. To equip ourselves to be strong. The strength of the Lord. The power of the Lord. Of the vocation of the Lord. As we are priests of the living God, how can we serve him faithfully? Stop making excuses and take it seriously. To stop getting off on tangents, take the faith seriously. And what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it look like when a Christian lives and speaks like Christ is real? What does that look like? Stop making that an imagination. Start making it a reality. What can you do to serve the Lord? What can you do to take the faith seriously? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him the stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you 
The truth is in Jesus. There's only one answer for all the world's issues. There's only one answer, one solution, one way, one truth, one life that can fix and solve everything. And that is Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do it. Serve the Lord. Say, well, I don't know how. Get yourself a Bible and start telling people the Gospel of John. It's that simple. John chapter 3. Just start telling them. Tell them who Jesus is, what he came for, and why. And what they must do. Start telling them. Say, say, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I need you to give me the words. I want to serve, Lord. Would you point me in a direction? Lord, would you equip me? Lord, would you show me? I want to serve you, Lord. Watch God work. He's the one that, he, he gives you the tools. He gives you the clothes. He gives you the message. He gives you all the information. He trains you. He teaches you. He equips you. He does it all. He, he does the work. He does everything that needs to be done. All you got to do is just speak. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is be a voice in the wind. Just an echo. An echo of righteousness. As you speak it, as you bellow it out, the truth of Jesus Christ, we are but echoes in the dark. We walk about in this dark world and we speak the truth and our voices echo off the rocks, off the buildings, down the alleyways. And the, in the pitch black, the lost, the stumbling around, they hear this echo. And they, they choose whether or not they're going to follow the sound of that voice or they're going to run away from it. You are not responsible for the saving of souls. You're the responsible you're you're only responsible for warning them, for telling them. That's all we are. We are voices in the wilderness, echoes in the dark. So remember that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you would like to know more about how to serve the Lord in different ways of, of witnessing and evangelism, please make sure you check out our uh, playlist. We have a playlist here on our YouTube channel on witnessing and evangelism. I have tons of videos in there of all different ways and approaches of how to serve, how to witness. I have another uh, playlist on spiritual gifts, talking about spiritual gifts and what they are, what they're not, and, and, and how we can serve the Lord in many different ways. The point is that we do serve the Lord, that we would take the faith seriously. Not everybody's going to be called to be a missionary, an evangelist, or a pastor, but we are all called to a vocation in serving the Lord in some way, shape, or form. Not everybody knows how to fire, but we need those to carry the bullets. We need people to, to, to help in, in, the, in the maintenance of everything, and working in the machinery, the works, to, to help keep it going. We need, we need supporters, saints that will carry the cross. Saints that will carry each other, help each other in, in every way that we can, in taking the faith seriously. It's not about money. It's about souls. 
It's not about the, the notoriety in this world. It's about the notoriety of Jesus Christ. Don't get, don't get distracted and off on um, the tangents of the ways and the things of this world, but rather look to that which is eternal and work for that. Start for yourselves treasure in heaven, for moth and rust doth not corrupt, the thieves do not break through and steal. Serve the Lord in fear and trembling. Take the faith seriously. Plead for lost souls. Grieve for sinners. Take the faith seriously. So we got a different playlist that'll help you with that. Um, if you've got any questions, you can let us know as well on our website. We have free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Free gospel tracks for you on christiancoffeetime.ca. christiancoffeetime.ca. And just click on the link that says gospel tracks. And there's a PDF there. We have versions for email. I, I believe we have, we have a version there for, for to email them. And a PDF to download so you can print them off. And you can print off your own tracks. It's all free get it out there get it out there get busy start serving the lord take the faith seriously the time is short folks what if see we don't know when the lord is coming again but what if hypothetically use your sanctified imagination what if you found out the lord is coming next week how would you serve him today how would you serve him up until that point well, why aren't you serving him like that now what excuse do you have to not take the faith seriously so repent get yourself right with the Lord repent of apathy repent of distractions and hindrances purge from your life those distractions and hindrances so that you can take the faith seriously I'm not saying you can't go and have fun and do do stuff, but if it's at if it's at the cost of diminishing the fervency of the Lord, then it's nothing but a distraction of hell. Anything that distracts me from taking the faith seriously is of hell. We should all have that kind of thought. All all should have that kind of attitude towards it. Take the faith seriously. Equip yourself to be strong. Strap down the armor of God. Pick up your sword, pick up your shield, and fight the good fight of faith. Okay, so with that, wrap that up there. Okay, going down through the comments, is there anything here? Good morning, good morning, folks. How's it going? Okay. And Dana says, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Amen. John 14, 17, the Spirit of Truth, which is the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Okay. Um, Natalie says, how do we preach to those who trust in their works? By preaching grace. Because they don't understand it. They don't understand it because works is not grace. Grace is absence of works. Grace is absence of self, absence of anything of me. It's all of him, none of me. Grace is not a reward. Grace is not something that is earned, gained of myself, but rather grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, the sheer mercy of God. Unmerited. So we preach grace. We preach grace and faith according to the word of God. Faith is not obedience. 
Faith is not works. Faith is not obedience. Faith is believing trust. So by the unmerited favor of God, by believing trust, are ye saved. By grace, are ye saved through faith. So we preach grace and faith of grace according to the word of God, to those that are that are believing in works. We show them what the word of God says on this. Help them to understand that, the grace of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what will convince them. Nothing else will. All right, uh, going down through. A fancy truth says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's right, our, our, our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So on this wind rides sin, and we, we bring them another wind, a blast from the mouth of God of truth that will blow them the other direction. We combat the wind of sin we, 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 by being a voice on the wind uh, of the righteousness and the grace of Jesus Christ. As you see in the word of God, as the Lord would breathe, the Lord would speak the, the wind of God. So we combat the wind of the devil with the wind of God. Going down through. Purely says, take take that lit flame to the streets, take the seed out of the barn. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> going down through the comments here. Dan, it says, faithful service, step by step, day by day, one day at a time, one day at a time, one tick of the clock at a time. Forgetting the things that are, that are past, take no thought of the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the days, the evil thereof. One day at a time, one day at a time. We have no idea how long we're going to be here. I have no idea how long I'm going to live. You have no idea how long you're going to live. We might be here for another 50 years, five years, day, who knows. But the point is, in the time that I have left... How much of that time do I want to squander? How much time of your life do you want to squander from serving the Lord? Purely says, faithful witnesses whom the Lord will come back and find sit sitting next to our... Yeah, sit sitting on our hands. I see what you mean. On our hands. Yeah, the Lord will come and you find us working. He would find us busy. You'd find us worshiping and praising and taking the faith seriously. When our Lord comes, what is he going to find you doing? I don't want to squander the time. I, I, I want to be a faithful witness. Well, how can I be faithful? Well, it's faithful to a person. Not an ideology. Faithful to a person. So, let us be. So with that, there we go. The Great Commission, Natalie says. Amen, amen. So with that, give this some thought. Please rewatch this, share this around. And if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icons. And we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content. Like I said, I got a playlist on witnessing and evangelism and spiritual gifts, all this. So please equip yourself with the word of God on these things and get busy about the service of our Lord. And with that... God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.